We call today Epiphany Sunday. We remember the, uh, the visit of the Magi who were guided by God through the start of the child Jesus when they brought him gifts. We always, uh, or we usually read that story uh, soon after Christmas here in January when that story is read from Matthew 2 in our, um, in our church's pericope. That's these, um, these assigned readings that our church and many churches have been following for 100 years. There's this section from Ephesians chapter 3 that goes along with it. And since last year I preached on Matthew 2, I wanted to look at the section from Ephesians 3 today, which in many ways speaks to the Magi's who weren't Jewish, but are coming to worship this new king, Jesus. But before we dive into Ephesians chapter 3, I want to take you on a little journey. Now, I haven't been to Disneyland in quite some time, and I know that most things are digital now, but there was a time when things were in paper. You know what this is? Paper? Cool. All right. Now... You know when you first walk in, um, let, let's create the experience, ready? You're first walking into Disneyland, you try to time that stepping through the gate right when the train is coming and the whistle blows. If you do that, you know you're about to have a blessed day. You keep walking down Main Street, you see the statue, you pass the Starbucks line, you look at your spouse and you say, see, this is why we went through the drive through They look at you, you say, yes, you're a genius, I love you. You take a look on the other side, there's the ice cream. You think, you know what, 8.30, 9 o'clock, it's a little bit too early, let's just keep pushing through, maybe a churro if we decide. But then you hit the end of Main Street, and back in the day, that's where you had to decide which fast pass to go and get. Now I think you can do it all on your phone, correct? Oh my gosh. Anyways, when I went, we had to decide, and we decided on the Haunted Mansion. You've been on this ride. I'm not going to spend time. It was either Halloween or Christmas. They kind of combined those at Haunted Mansion. Anyways, I get there, and I have the pass, and it's this paper invitation. And if you're not familiar with a fast pass, it lets you cut in line. And for once in your life, when you're at Disneyland, you know in your heart, this is right. This is how it's supposed to be. I am above waiting in line. And you just get to walk past all these peasants. And if you have to wait, what? whatsoever in your fast pass line, you're like, this is ridiculous. I have this paper, this special pass. I'm supposed to go right through. Let me get on through. Well, one time we went and um, my daughter was much younger and uh, we were teaching her responsibility. So she got to hold her own fast pass, but she lost it. And then she still started crying, right? And so I'm calmly screaming at her, what do you mean you lost it? And the lady at the Haunted Mansion door is like, oh, no problem. Come on, man. It's okay. You've got yours, dad and mom. Everything's going to be fine. Here's a sticker. What a great time. Another time, however, still fast past Haunted Mansion, I go, and as fate would have it, this time I lost the stickers or the passes, but I was like, no worries. I know what to do. I start crying, and that does not work. <laughs> And they send us back to the line with the rest of the peasants. But I tell you that story because it's not about the crying. It's about the fast pass, the, that special piece of paper that gets you in. And the text that we're going to look at today talks about a mystery that has been made known and what it is to know this mystery. So I want to check it out, how the Word of God challenges us and encourages us in our lives as God himself has revealed this. So again, if you got your Bibles, pull them out. It's going to be on the screen so you can follow along. I'm going to read the section in its entirety, and then we'll break it down verse by verse like we usually do. So this is Paul. He's talking to the people of Ephesus, and we're picking up in chapter 3. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. 
In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this ministry, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Sometimes we come across these pieces in scripture and we're like, that was a lot and I have no idea what this has to do with anything. So let's break it down. Here's verse one again. Paul writes, for this reason, I am the prisoner of Christ Jesus. During his Roman imprisonment, see, Paul was under house arrest. In the day, he was free to move around the house with the supervision of soldiers. But every night, he was chained to a soldier to make sure he didn't escape before his trial came up before Caesar. But look what he calls himself. He calls himself the prisoner of Jesus Christ. He knew that Jesus was the Lord of his life, not the Roman government. So if he was a prisoner, he was Jesus's prisoner. And he expands by telling them of his situation, by recalling to them all about his conversion, which is found in Acts chapter 9. How God told Ananias that this man, Paul, will be my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles, which is basically everyone who is not a Jew. And then later, this conversion of Paul is confirmed in Acts chapter 15. And if you don't remember what happens, you remember that his name was Saul. He was on his way to arrest people. He had papers from the priest to be able to arrest anyone who was going by the way of Jesus. And on the way, he becomes blinded. He's got to be led into town. And then Ananias comes removes the scales from his eyes after a couple of days. He's healed. He gets baptized. He becomes a believer. But Paul's not in this section just trying to talk about his conversion. He's also letting them know that what he has been preaching about, this message that he has that is different and is changing the entire world upside down, not just about what Jesus has done, but the implications about what Jesus has done, isn't something that he himself has made up. It's not an invention or a clever scheme that they all got together and talked about. Instead, here he is saying that God himself gave him this revelation, this thing to say, and that Paul is the messenger of this mysterious truth. He clarifies that this truth is from God because this truth is leading to some disagreements and some struggles within the church at this time. Now, in English, a mystery is something dark, right? Something obscure, something secret or puzzling. What is mysterious is inexplicable, even incomprehensible, maybe. But the Greek word mysterion here is different. Although it's still a secret, it's not something that is closely guarded, but something that is open. More really, it's just the truth that was hidden from human knowledge or understanding, but now has become understood through the revelation of God. The text includes, right, the text continues, right, and says that, like, this is what it is. We're all together of one body. We're all sharers together in the promise in Jesus. And if you look closely, Paul says right at the beginning there, this mystery was revealed by the Spirit, specifically through the written word, 
That's the Old Testament. And the preaching now of the apostles, which would become the New Testament. And Paul is saying that this mystery that God has now revealed was God's plan all along. But it wasn't understood until now. Paul explains the mystery that the Gentiles, that all people, not just Jews, are included in the gifts and promises that were made to Abraham, to King David, to the people of Israel. In fact, in other letters, Paul specifically talks about how Abraham was blessed and was promised to become the father of many nations. We read that when we looked at Galatians and Romans. And it's not just Paul who is preaching this mysterious new knowledge of the gospel. Throughout Acts, we see that all the apostles are doing it. After they're sent out to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth, they're beginning to preach this gospel of inclusion. When Peter goes to Cornelius' house and has to eat food that the Jews weren't allowed to eat and the Jews weren't even allowed to go into the homes of someone who was a foreigner, suddenly now they are included in God's gifts and in his promises. Same thing with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch and everything that came with that man becoming a follower of Jesus and, of course, everything that we see in Paul's ministry. You go back further and you find when we look at the Old Testament that the prophets knew about this and they were speaking about it too. You look at Isaiah, calls Jesus the light of all nations, right? Ezekiel talks about this mystery. But the people just, for some reason, nobody could see it before Christ's coming. And they struggled with it then in the early church after Christ had come for a while. This including of all people. And that got me thinking over this week, like, why? Why was this a mystery? Why was it not known? There's a lot of responses we could give. We could say, well, like Scripture says, it wasn't time yet, and God works and wills when he wants. And that would be an acceptable answer, obviously. We could say, well, it's natural. That's the way life is. Certain people get stuff. Certain people don't get stuff. Maybe that would be an acceptable answer, but maybe not a good one. See, we're not specifically told, but if you do a little bit of thinking... One that I think might be is that even after this mystery has been revealed, we see that the church, Peter, the other apostles, they're struggling with proclaiming this gospel and putting it into practice. They struggle with the inclusion of Gentiles and others. And I think that's worth thinking about. Because letting people in is not easy. Letting outsiders suddenly in on all the gifts and the promises that God had made, well, who knows what could happen when you let people in. So it's best if we just kind of keep them out. Now, let me make one thing clear. This is not some sermon on politics or immigration policy. The topic is important, should be addressed. But surprisingly, this text is not speaking to the immigration policies of a nation, but rather the mysteries of a church This text is speaking to what God has revealed and to how we are supposed to be in relationship to one another as the church. So when we look at this struggle, this acceptance, this practice of the mystery, we know that it's a challenge. Because like I said, letting people in isn't easy. 
And they let people in. They had to change a few things, and it's a challenge to change. It's a challenge to have people invade our space. It was just the holidays. Now, this isn't me, of course, but some of you probably struggled with your in-laws staying over or someone sitting in your seat. You may have even had to change your seat or give up something. We can't help but think that if we start to let everyone in, well, then what about how special I was? You keep spiraling down. If everyone can come in and have access to this, well, what's going to happen? What, what am I going to lose if they start to come in? What do I have to give up now to make accommodations for all these different people? Or worse, maybe we even start saying, I don't want to be exposed to these different people. I don't like that. I don't like that they're different than me. It's easier and it's much safer to say, no thanks. Go wait in the long line because I have the fast pass. I've been here longer, and I like it just as it is. And I do not want to have to deal with all the stuff that you will bring in. And if we're honest with ourselves, we probably see why this mystery was hard to accept. This mystery was hard to live out and had been hidden for quite a while. And if we're even more honest, depending on your situation, Maybe you experienced the other side of that. Not the part about keeping people out, but the part about feeling like you don't have a place here in the church. Well, I can't be a part of the church. I'm, my life is too broken. I can't be a part of the church. I'm not a good enough person. I can't be a part of your church because I don't look like the people in your church. I can't be a part of your community. If, if you knew what I have done, Nobody would want to sit by me. I can't get in because I don't deserve to be in. And the truth is that at the root of keeping others out is fear, is false pride, and our lies from the evil one. And the other side is at the root of thinking that you have to be good enough or better than someone, or if you're different, or you're born to a different plan, uh, family or a different place, then you don't belong here, then you haven't heard the gospel. Because in and through Jesus Christ, each person who calls on his name becomes sharers of what was promised. In and through Jesus Christ, all who call on his name, all who are baptized, become heirs with him. That mystery of how can this be has been revealed to us by God himself and shown in and won by Jesus. The church has not been called for people who only look a certain way or were born in a certain family or place. The church is for all. And that doesn't mean that anything goes in the church and people can live however they want, do whatever they want, and there are no rules. The Bible is clear on how we are to live. But who you are does not exclude you because in Christ, all belong to this community that is his. And Paul drives that point clear by now speaking of himself when he says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace. Remember, he's the one who has the credentials, right? He's the Jew, the Pharisee of Pharisees, the circumcised, coming from the right family, all that stuff. The one who would be considered the most specialist of all the special people would be Paul. And he's saying that counts for nothing. It's a gift. 
He says, although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, that's the way that he starts looking at himself because of what he had done. This grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. It is grace that each one of us is here, and it is by grace that each one of us can proudly say, come in and be included. It is by grace that we get to sit and be a part of Jesus' community. Paul says that he will go so far as becoming all things to all people to win a few for Jesus. The question we need to start asking ourselves is how far would we go so that someone else would feel comfortable to be considered included here at this church? Paul said that was the role that he was given to preach and to bring others in. He said it was to make plain in er to everyone the administration of this mystery. And the more we look at that and the more we start to break down the little pieces of that, the more we realize that this text is so much more than just non-Jewish people get salvation, end of discussion. This text is all about an invitation to living life in the now differently. This invitation from God is eternity and how it will look different in heaven and there will be all tribes and nations, every tongue there. But it also needs to be here for the present. Look how fascinating it is that God has revealed this to the rulers and authorities, not the nations, not the governors, not the Caesars, but the ones in the heavenly realms. That's the angels he's talking about that they didn't even know about this, and now they're seeing it, and they can't believe it. And that's a fascinating deep dive. makes for a good Bible study. But through this, through this revelation, God is inviting his children, you and I, to now begin thinking of ourselves and others in a different way, in an open way, not in a way that points out our differences and everybody has to find their one little spot, but that everyone is included an open invitation for everyone. And I want you to start taking a moment. Think about who that might be. Think of who before you thought, well, they definitely shouldn't be. And what would you be willing to, to give up, to offer them to be able to come here? Because what Christ accomplished, not with a fast pass, but with his death and with his resurrection, was the way for everyone to be healed of that deep brokenness that is inside each one of us that causes us to try to separate from each other and to separate from God. This open invitation to everyone is to cling to hope even when the rest of the world is broken and our relationships seem impossible to be able to bridge. It is the hope here given by Jesus that brings restoration and recreation to be something new, to start living for something more, to have a lasting and meaningful purpose that transcends our differences. And it even goes so far as reorientating the way that we look at our own family members and our own community. And it's not something that is going to be done by our works but through trusting in Jesus and what he has said, the boundless riches that come from him. The intent was that through us, through the church, 
the manifold wisdom of God would be made known. How amazing is it that those things that God offers, his wisdom, his love, his blessing, his mercy, his grace, all the things that are given through Jesus, he has specifically said it will be my church that will make that known to all people. The Lord has invited each one of us to be a part of that and to bring others in so that they can share in it. And when we take that open invitation seriously, when we start inviting others to the hope we have, to this life that we live together, we start to let go of all of those things that we stumbled, that made us stumble. And we take a chance to let someone who is different than us hear and come in to take a step to get involved. It starts with folding your hands in prayer. And then it starts with opening them. When you walk down this aisle today, each one of us will receive the same body and the same blood. When it says manifold wisdom, it's talking about the many different ways and mercies of God all through Jesus. Because each one of us and our differences is why we are uniquely placed to be able to be someone who can invite one other person in. There's this beautiful verse from Song of Songs that talks about how a huge torrent cannot extinguish love, that rivers cannot sweep away love. Basically saying, don't let differences extinguish this love that we have. Don't let our differences extinguish the gospel message that we need to share. And I'm going to close with this. If you're like me, you see that there are many people seeking and there are many people posting. And then you know we're heading into an election year. And pretty soon, you are going to be told, if you're not already, told exactly what you need to care about and who will fix it and who will not. It's a mystery in which your response is supposed to be fear. And the solution, well, the result will be, let us control and let us use you the way that we want to. Because that's how fear and control work. But that is not how God works here. God sent his son for all. Not so that you would be afraid. Not so that you would be controlled. But what is the last thing promised here? in him and through faith in him we may approach God with freedom and confidence confident that on account of Christ Jesus and Christ Jesus alone you belong here and more than that you have worth and you have value and you have freedom freedom not to do whatever you want but freedom from the sin that has held you back and the biases that have kept you from loving other people and the thoughts in your own mind that have kept you from being loved the way you are. Control and fear or confidence and freedom in Jesus. Amen.